101 and 61. The Mets finished the regular season, Figgy, with the second best record in franchise history. They finish in a tie with the Braves, but they'll end up in the wild card. Our negative feelings the other day are positive now. It's Mets Padres, wild card, city field, all weekend long, beginning Friday. City should be rocking. Stepping up to the plate will be this Mets offense. They desperately need to show that they can handle the Padres starting pitching. And we're going to see Max Scherzer doing what he does best in game one. You gave Max 43 milli. All those millies are being made in October. Let's see what Mad Max. Let's see what DeGrom. Let's see what Bassett's got. We'll preview the Mets Padres wild card best to a three as SNY field reporter for the Mets. Steve Gelbs will join us. Mets Padres wild card preview. Steve Gelbs. It's all coming up next. An amazing but true from the New York Post. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Starling unloads one. Deep left center. Back to the warning track goes Herrera. Near the wall. It's off the base. Here's Nimmo around third. He'll come in to score. And the Mets take the lead. And the Mets with seven runs in the ninth lead it eight to seven. He struck him out. Five Mets pitchers combined for the second no-hitter in New York Mets history. Struck him out, and the ball game is over. For the first time since 2016, the 2022 New York Mets will be going to the postseason. We'll tap her back to Joelli, and the ball game is over. The 2022 New York Mets conclude the regular season with 101 wins, the second most in the 61 year history of the franchise. Welcome to a playoff preview edition of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to SMY for those highlights. The best moments, a couple of them. There's just too many to play on. There'll be a whole podcast of the best moments. Those were just some of the best ones from the Mets season. It's Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher Nelson Figueroa. Andrew Hart's our producer with us as well. The playoffs are finally here. We've been waiting for this moment a long time. Unfortunately, it'll come in the wild card, but I have turned my negativity from Sunday night. I think I just needed a night of sleep. I needed to think about it a few days. They helped bring the morale up by just demolishing the Nationals for three games. Well, two of the three they demolished. We saw Francisco Alvarez's first career homer. We saw some great pitching. We saw a lot of good things, and we end up in a tie. 101 and 61, Figgy. Tied, you know, the second best record in Mets history. The last one was when they won their last World Series. Hopefully that's good mojo. You know, the Braves just put on a hell of a run. The Mets lose the tiebreaker. I mean, 10 to 9. I mean, one of these games goes the other way. You're You're not playing. But that's old news. The Padres are coming to City Field. It's best two out of three. Steve Gelb is going to join us in a bit to talk about a figgy, but it's all down to this. 
You paid Scherzer for this. Go out and win Friday. I guess you'll send Bassett if you win Friday for game two. And if he loses, you have DeGrom in a must-win scenario on Sunday. City Field should be absolutely electric. <laughs> yeah, Gilbs actually used your word, too. I was worried about that. But I think one of the biggest things is that this team has been, you know, their ability to bounce back all season long, their ability to, you know, keep these losing streaks to a minimum and their ability to just find a way to turn the page and say, you know what, look who's on the mound for us tomorrow, you know, and each one of these starters have kind of picked each other up. That's why these losing streaks weren't so weren't those long ones that, that really curtail a season. 101 wins, outstanding. Nobody saw that. Nobody could have predicted that. And that would be a wild card. It just shows you how good you had to be to keep pace with the world champion Atlanta Braves. And there's a reason why they were world champions. They had that 14-game winning streak. They had an eight-game winning streak. They had two five-game winning streaks right there. And got almost 30 games of in just streak fashion, which then sets the tone for the rest of the year because everybody knows that they're a very dangerous ball club. Now you have to really set your sights on the Padres, really focusing on minimalizing and neutralizing their offense. And at the same time, finding ways to capitalize on mistakes that you Darvish may make. Um, you know, he's one of those pitchers that can be unhittable and he can also wind up, you know, spinning his wheels in a circle and walking a few guys and giving up a big, you know, home run. And these Mets have been built to face someone like this where they're not looking to hit home runs, but they can hit the long ball. So I think it's a, a tremendous matchup. Uh, it's a great thing to go through and battle through. You get past them. You're ready. You're ready. That, that's as much of a sparring partner as you need to go back and get at the Braves for a second time. And I think that's something that you go there, you go to Dodgers. What better way? to show that you are the team of destiny if you can get past those first two guys and then get back to the Braves if the Braves make it that far. So I, I think this this is a, a great matchup. I, I want Scherzer on the mound. You give him Buck the options. He's going to play his hand the way that uh, I'm pretty much sure that, that that's what he would do, go Bassett game two and then DeGrom for the first game of the DS. What can this team expect from the DH role, I think is going to be pivotal. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to have Marte. It's going to be Volgovac, Naquin, Alvarez, if he makes the roster. We won't do too deep into who makes the roster because time people hear this, that might already come out, Figgy, but they have to get production from that role. You're going up against great pitchers this weekend, guys that have killed the Mets and you, Darvish. You know, he was 2-0 and against the Mets, one run in 14 innings, have to beat him. You're going up against Joe Musgrove, who didn't have a great second half, had a tremendous first half, you know, Blake Snell, one-on-one against the Mets. He could be, you know, ace Blake Snell. He could be number three starter Blake Snell, but it's three solid starting pitchers and a formidable lineup. So you're going up against solid pitchers. You're going up against a lineup that added Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who has Manny Machado carried them. They added former Met Brandon Jury. They have Josh Hader, who is, you know, had given the Mets nightmares at times. They got that back end closer. They have to get production with Marte likely out from, you know, you got Vogel back for a reason. You got Naquin for a reason. They got to show up this weekend. Yeah. And, and I think when you look at what the Padres did at the deadline, they went all in, right? They said, screw, screw our top prospect list. Here you go. Give me Juan Soto. Give me Juan Soto for the next three years. And kudos to them. It's a great move because they're in a win now mode. They were built to win. That starting rotation was very, very deep. You know, you had guys who have logged many, many big innings for other teams. Now they're all together trying to, you know, win a championship on that side. So no, by, by no means a cakewalk, 
at the same time, they've got to find you got to find ways to show that at home how good you are. If you can be the best team in baseball, you know, at home, play that caliber of baseball. City Field has to have every single seat filled. Those fans have to be being that 10th man. And I talked about that back in 2015 when I first joined SNY, how important that was to be the 10th man, to be someone that to be there and rooting with these guys on, not necessarily booing and, and, and doing the things that, you know, jackasses do and, and just trying to show that you're not better than the game. You're paid good money to be there. Be there in support of this team because this and team you has saw done how that affected things. the Braves. Look how yes. much better the, I mean, the Braves rocked that place over the weekend. They've rocked it all season. But you see how well they've done at home with. And listen, the tomahawk chop sucks. The lights out thing sucks. I, it's dangerous. Stop doing that. But, you know, you see what it does for a team like the Braves. So, you know, the Mets last time we were here is 2016. That was a lineup that had. TJ Rivera and his dildo batting fifth. I mean, come on. You knew that was coming. Once you mentioned TJ Rivera, a dildo was hitting fifth and Renee Rivera, who might as well be a dildo, was hitting six or seven. That lineup was Bruce was six. And then I think Renee Rivera was seven. That lineup sucked. And that was no DH either. You had Noah Syndergaard hitting ninth, who was hitting better than some of the Mets DHs right now. (laughs) That lineup wasn't good. So like this is a brand new team. This is a team with a RBI leader and a tie with Pete Alonso on 131. This is a team with the batting champion. Congrats to Jeff McNeil. Three, 26. What a season. Better get him a Cadillac, Francisco Lindor. We got to shout out Cadillac, of course. Go get him a caddy. If he gets him like a Toyota Prius, I'm going to be so disappointed. I don't think I don't think McNeil is is a uh, you know Echo Save guy. He's he's I can see him getting a, a nice truck. And he knows it's a PR move. You gotta get him a good car out of a PR move. Like if he gets him a Toyota Camry, he's driving around an Uber X next week. Uh, that that just can't be. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine him picking you up? Uh, yeah, Jeff uh, McNeil. Hi, hi Jake. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Oh my God. Is this squirrel? A squirrel? Yes. <laughs> See, it's a feel-good story team. for this yeah. team. This this team this team was full a lot of feel-good feel stories. stories. Yeah, and there it was it was nonstop. You there's tremendous players and to root for. Uh, comeback uh, seasons for a bunch of them. Look at Edwin Diaz. Look at Jeff McNeil. Look at Francisco Lindor. You know, I, I didn't hear one time this year. Oh, he's not worth the money. Uh, I'm actually when the Braves played, I think it was in late July or, or August when I was talking with the Braves, uh, one of their radio shows down there in Atlanta. And they were like, hey, what's the deal with this Lindor guy? He's batting 230. Duh. And I go, aren't you the same radio show that was complaining about uh, Freddie Freeman batting 230? And I said, don't worry. You know, the cream rises to the top. And he wound up finishing at almost 300. And of course, you know, they win a World Series and then they wound up letting him go. But I said, don't worry, Lindor will be just fine. I go, it might not be about batting average this year. Major League batting averages dropped every year. I go, but, you know, he's going to be that guy with the glove, the bat, the smile. He's going to be able to keep this Mets team right at the top of the division. And sure enough, you look up and he finishes off at about 270, a 270 clip, career high, met records in home runs and RBIs. The defense was spectacular all season long. He was that leader that you you wanted to see. The, the, the guy who, if for some reason, Pete Alonso didn't drive him in, Lindor drove in everybody else or drove in Alonso because he just drove people in. To have two guys that have that many RBIs, you know, hitting back to back essentially the whole season long, it, it just a testament to those guys being able to pick each other up and not have the pressure of being the guy who does it all the time. You know, if, if Pete, you know, swings for the downs and he misses, Hey, Lindor comes up there and finds a way to maybe hit it off the end of the bat, hit the ball the other way, do something a little bit different than just try and go up there and swing for the fences. But I mean, you have to tip your cap all the way around. There were so many 
great moment. So many guys, uh, I think uh, a testament, of course, would be Escobar. You know, you wanted to throw this guy away how many times? It was errors. It was this. It was the, the bat, no, no production. And if he doesn't have that September to remember, they're not winning 101 games. Um, you know, he, he, he did everything to carry this team on his back. Literally five RBIs, I think either the 29th, the or, 30th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 29th or 30th, you know, towards the very end. And he just he said, one day I'm going to give you something to cheer about. And he did. And he will continue to do that. And I'm excited for, you know, playoff baseball is here. And this is let's all the go. marbles. It's all the marbles. And this is what you want. You want to go in there and let's see, you know, they, if they can go toe to toe. If the Padres can go toe to toe with the Mets. All right. It's not the other way around. The Padres are going to be the ones that have to keep up. They're on the road. Being on the road, when you have all those fans, ask the Mets how that was in Atlanta. Those fans were absolutely out of control, making the Mets feel like they are the enemy in enemy territory. And it makes it so much more difficult. There is just another level that maybe they haven't been to. There's just another level that they don't get in sunny San Diego. They don't get booed in the way that, you know, the Mets fans were booing uh, the hobby bias days of the Mets. You know, you, you want to have this team direct their energy and, and those vibes towards the enemy. And, and that would be the Padres this weekend. And then, you know, for the Mets team, these guys are going to come out and do their thing. And I'm excited for it. Let's get ready to rock. Yeah. Just putting a bow tie, you know, and I want a donut, uh, putting a bow tie on this Mets season, Alonzo Lindor, the clear cut MVPs, Edwin Diaz. I mean, this bullpen, he made or break this team. And this is a team that struggled down the stretch with him at times. He was huge. A couple of unsung heroes that I got to show love to on this team. One of them got to show love to Trevor Williams. What a season coming in. Spot start. You needed him long relief. Trevor Williams finished with a 3-2-1 ERA. And he was an, uh, you know, an overlooked guy who was just absolutely tremendous. The Mets had two 15-game winners, and they weren't DeGrom or Scherzer. They were Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco. Cookie, the Lindor trade, at one point was looking like the cookie trade with how good he was pitching. And then Lindor said, I'm here. And Lindor and Carrasco, that trade looks good. Bassett, great year. Tywon Walker, solid year, 3-4-9. The middle relief, got to give credit. Another unsung hero, Adam Adovino, 2.06 ERA. He was that bridge that they badly needed in the eighth inning when Lugo was struggling, when other guys were struggling, when Trevor May was struggling, when he was hurt. Adam Adovino was that guy. And then the lineup, they need. I, I'm not going to cry for Marte again. He saw the IG story. He knows He knows fans want him back. I don't think he's going to be ready for this wild card round. He was just glue in that lineup. Escobar, like you said, Canna started off absolutely so hot. Like you said, he's got gas, but still had a very respectable and similar to what his numbers have looked like in his career season for a good value. So the Mets got a lot across the board. They didn't get much from catcher. Nito outplayed McCann, but catcher was the one weak spot. But across the board, this was fun. Mets Padres, best two out of three, Figgy. Let's preview it. Here we go. You know, game one, we said it's Scherzer, it's Darvish. Darvish has killed the Mets. He's 16-8-3-1 ERA this year. This is why you pay Scherzer. You pay him for at least seven postseason starts. One wild card, you hope two DS, two CS, two World Series. That's at the least. Maybe even a bullpen appearance in there. You paid him to make seven starts and win you a ring. This is his money. 807 ESPN. Saturday, we expect Musgrove versus either Bassett or DeGround, depending on game one. And we expect Snell versus either Bassett. Well, if it goes to game three, it'll be Snell versus you expect DeGrom unless DeGrom loses game two. Break this series down for me, Figgy. How do you see this playing out? Do you see the Mets stopping, you know, their their big guys in Machado and Soto and Bell? Break it down. Give me your prediction. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, 
Soto has not looked like the Soto, and he's the X factor in all of this, right? And because if if he is the guy who has been in the playoffs and World Series and that dominant kind of hitter who's not afraid of anyone, and here he's going to go game one against his former teammate, that's a tremendous matchup in itself and see how Scherzer can exploit weaknesses that he's seen over the years and, and just continue to keep Soto as a 240 hitter. If you can do that for this series then you're, you're doing all right. Machado, of course, he's the guy that stirs it from the right side and just his, his power is undeniable. His swagger is undeniable, but he's a guy that can be pitched to as well. You just can't make many mistakes. And we saw in the Braves series that, you know, these mistakes weren't just being hit for singles. They were being hit for home runs. Keep them to solo home runs and you still have a chance. As long as the Mets offense finds ways to score runs and they're going to have to do the little things. They're going to have to be able to, to go first to third on a base hit. They're going to have to be able to two-strike approach and, and hit the ball the other way. Uh, Darvish has so many weapons, makes the ball move all over the strike zone. It's going to come down to execution and the Mets were able to execute much more efficiently this season because of the way that Eric Chavez had these guys, um, you know, taking that two strike approach and, you know, taking what was given to them. So the shifting and the overshifting, the Padres do a big job of that where Machado was playing right field at times, uh, you know, and, and that, that to me is where you're going to have to do the little things, keep them, feeling like the pressure is always on them and the fans can help in that element. But I think the Mets will help themselves. Uh, McNeil is clicking on all cylinders right now. He's on a high after winning this batting title and, and being that guy in the lineup that can do the things with small ball and hitting the ball the other way. And I think Alonzo is going to have a statement swing that is going to be that moment uh, that gets etched in stone or bronze someday. And that, uh, it, you know, it, it's just been that kind of a year. For Pete Alonso, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. So do the Mets win in two? Do they win in three? I got the Mets winning in two. I got That's the Mets winning joke. in two. I, I have I have it being close games, but I think again, in in close games, who do I got closing the closing the game out? I got Edwin Diaz holding a one-run lead in the first game. I go in the second game. I think the Mets pull away a little bit towards the end. They have a three-run lead. I'm not even opposed to seeing Diaz going back-to-back to make sure that the door is shut and shut hard. I hope the route works, and I hope it can because it sets you up for long-term success. If you can do Bassett game two, if you can have DeGrom twice against the Dodgers or Max twice, or you get DeGrom twice, you get Max once and once out of the bullpen. If you get some kind of combo of Scherzer and DeGrom in three to four of the games in some scenario in the, in the DS against a Dodgers team that was just historic this year with how good they were, you're setting yourself up nicely. And if you get through there, revenge. Revenge. Revenge if the other team makes it. You don't worry about you don't worry about anybody else. We won't worry about about that yet. We'll talk about that in a in a week on Amazing But True, hopefully. But you get your chance of revenge. I'm gonna say the Mets sweep too. I'll be there all three if it happens. It'll be confusing with Sunday because Jets and Giants, I'd like them to finish in two. So my life isn't an absolute poop show Sunday and Monday. It could get crazy. So Mets in two. That's right. Mets in two. I'm like the Suns in four guy where Mets in two. Peace. This is going to be fun, Figgy. I'm excited. City Field back and two out of three makes it a lot. I'd say less stressful than the one game playoff because it's not over. You know, Twitter, if they lose Friday, it's going to be season over. It's over. But it's two out of three. So, like, don't lose hope if they lose Friday. But Max, give us eight. DS, give us trumpets and rock this place. And let's and plus, like, think of a celebration Saturday night. You might not wake up for the 9.30 a.m. London Giants game. Not the best time to have a Giants morning game when we're getting hammered on Saturday night celebrating the Mets moving on. But a Saturday night celebration in Queens. Ah, I'm pumped up. I love the playoffs. It never happens in my life. It's happened 2,000. 
2006, 2015, and I don't even count to it. It's happened three times, essentially. And you I don't count, count to one game with TJ Rivera and the dildo. It's been happened three times in 31 years. That's once a decade. And one of those decades don't count because I couldn't even speak or walk for five or six years. <laughs> essentially, three times in two decades. Give me a run. I've been dreaming of this, and I predicted it. Mets will win the World Series. Mets take the podium. We'll be back on Monday, hopefully after and 99. Sorry. Good job by Andrew Hart. So 99, the first year I was a fan, 2000, 2006, 2015, five times in my 31 years on planet Earth, but still not enough. So this one is going to be enough, never enough, never, never. There we go. The greatest showman, Max Scherzer, takes the hill. We will be back Monday, hopefully recapping and moving on to the NLDS. Coming up next on Amazing But True, friend of the program, your favorite sideline reporter for SMY and the Mets, that would be Steve Gelbs. Coming up next on Amazing But True. You know, I'm never going to say never. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, we're back at Amazing But True and joining us now. You see him on SNY doing the Mets and Jets, of course. You can catch him all playoffs long, pre- and post-game coverage, Mets Playoff Live. Love that, Mets Playoff Live. <laughs> You'll hear all the pre- and post-game coverage at SNY. Fortunately, we don't get GKR and this guy. That would be Steve Gelbs during the playoffs. Follow him on Twitter. Congrats, 100,000 followers. You hit the six-figure mark. Brush some dirt off your shoulder. Steve Gelbs, welcome to the show. Wow, how about that? I mean, that's a great job by you to have that information. I didn't want to be the guy that bragged about it, but you know, hundred K you want to shout it from the rooftop. So now we're charging forward. What's the next, what's the next milestone after a hundred thousand? What do you think? 500,000. 500,000. <laughs> no, that's yeah. aggressive. I think like one, <laughs> one twenty-five is I celebrated. I had to pop the bottle for 8,000. So like when I get to 10, I'm scared. I might not survive. I might have just the biggest party of when all I, time. When I was covering high school sports at a college, I hit 500 followers. I remember thinking that was like the biggest deal ever. So, you know, we'll take it. Is your hamstring okay from the sausage race still? Are you, are you still uh, resting up? How you do? How are your legs doing? I'm feeling okay right now, but I, I, all joking aside, I was stunned when I woke up the next morning with how much pain my legs were in. Not kidding. Like that thing. I mean, A, I'm, I'm not running sprints all that often right now, but B, that thing was so heavy and so high up that you really, I mean, you saw how everybody's asked to like keep their arms in. It's literally because if you don't hold on to that thing, it will topple forward. So there's a lot of, a lot of different muscle groups working to try and keep you upright as you're also trying to win a race. So um, I'm good now, but it, it took a couple of days to recover from that. Two things. Of course, now you know what it's like to feel like uh, being tall. And the second thing, <laughs> is, second thing is, could you imagine Randall Simon adding to that with a bat across the back of the head? It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I learned, a, I learned a, a valuable couple of lessons. Let's put it that way. Did you try to do the slide? Did they say no? What happened no. with the slide? Because everyone wanted it. You teased us with the little baby slide, which probably what I would have done to the little baby one. But what happened? What happened is that the last guy that did it broke six ribs and an, and an arm. And, uh, you know, I got playoffs to cover, so I'm not risking that. 
I'll get in a sausage costume. I'll slide down a regular slide and that's it. <laughs> that's that's a fair excuse. Well, the playoffs are here, Steve. You also be doing, of course, Jets pre and post game, although there will be conflicts if there's a game three. We'll see if it gets there. We'll see how the rotation shapes out. I'm curious in your opinion, what would you do if you were a buck? If you know, max game one, do you throw game two to Grom if you win game one or do you save him or do you throw Bassett? What do you do? No, I, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I actually put it out on Twitter prior to buck making the announcement that they were going to go with Scherzer in game one. For me, you gotta be flexible if you win game one. I think the whole point of was that rotation. It was, was Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom one, two, and, and utilizing them as much as you possibly could. And that to me is why losing the division was, was such a gut punch because it took away your ability to really match up your pitching in that division series. And what this would do if you win game one and go with Bassett in game two is give you that ability back to match up the pitching the way you would want it. So there you win game one, you go with Bassett game two, the worst case scenario there is that you have Jacob DeGrom pitching an elimination must-win game three. The best-case scenario is that you start the DS with DeGrom going game one, with Scherzer going game two on regular rest, and then the opportunity to bring DeGrom on game five also on regular rest. And so you get the opportunity to have those guys three out of the five games, and you're going to have to use DeGrom and, and Scherzer potentially in that in that wildcard series uh, twice anyway. So it doesn't matter. If you win game one, it doesn't matter to me if you're going DeGrom game two or game three. So again, it, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. You win game one, you go with Bassett game two, and then you potentially have that rotation set up for the division series. Worst case scenario, you've got DeGrom pitching an elimination game three. Yeah, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think you have to definitely go by what happens in game one. Game one, you lose. Now it's a must win. You have to go with DeGrom and you throw caution to the wind because you have to get through to the next series. So, yeah, I, I, I like to have those options. And again, that's the, the beauty of it, right? When you have two aces, you can play them however you see fit. But that would shake out best case scenario. And that would be... A uh, fantastic thing for the Mets to be able to go Scherzer, Bassett, then come back, like you said, DeGrom, then Scherzer again, and you have DeGrom in a game five. Either way, it shapes out. I know it wasn't the best case scenario about the wild card, but I have to keep reminding people the wild card has gone on to win the World Series in the last five years, even. It's at least two times that I know of off the top of my head. And I, I think it's, it's something that's still very, very doable because you still have to beat those teams. You have to beat the Dodgers. I agree with you. And, you know, Buck, Buck even mentioned it the other day that um, he was getting phone calls from, from Jim Leland saying, hey, remember, I won the World Series coming out of the wild card. The difference, if we're being fair, though, is that prior to a few years ago, the wild card used to be one of four teams. And so it's not quite the same as it is right now. You still have to win that first series. And this is by no means going to be a cakewalk. San Diego Padres have given the Mets fits this year. You uh, Darvish has given the Mets fits uh, this year. So this is, this is something that essentially you're now putting yourself at risk a lot earlier than, than you necessarily would have wanted to. And we've talked about how it affects the pitching. We haven't even gotten into the fact that that extra week could have been utilized to get Starling Marte back who the Mets have missed desperately since he's been out with that broken finger. But to your original point, by no stretch of the imagination is this season over is this a uh, team that is incapable of winning the world series. If this pitching is what it has been for most of the season, not what it's been for the last couple of weeks. If these guys are what they were for most of the year, 
then they have as good a shot as anyone to be there in the end. And, and I think you got to, you know, I understand the disappointment and Mets fans are, are totally within their rights to be disappointed with how this September went and with getting swept by the, the Braves and not winning the division. But at some point, and I think that point is now, you have to turn the page, recognize what this team accomplished and what it still has in front of them. Yeah, I've gone over it. Sunday night, we did a show in Atlantic City, and I was fuming. I was yelling. I pleaded for Starling Marte to save us, come back. He actually saw my Instagram story, so he knows that Mets fans want him back desperately. <laughs> he watched it. He's going to come back. Thanks to me. I'm going to take all credit. But, you know, it's not looking good. The guy can't grip a bat fully, can't throw a ball. Fully. I mean, how he comes back and plays, I'm shocked if he's he's not back for the wild card. I think that's kind of a lock. Your hope is he's going to be back in Los Angeles. Are you concerned with the lineup here? Like, what do you do? Is it Alvarez? You, do you trust him in, in, to play these wild card games? Do you just go with the Vogie, you know, Naquin combo? What do you do here for the DH and, and these final roster spots? Man, that's a tough call because you look at Alvarez and even the at-bats he was taking. You know, there were a couple at-bats in Atlanta where it looked like he was trying to make something happen and he was he was swinging out of his shoes. But he just, he really does look like he's got it. You know, it, it looks different. The ball is different off his bat. The at-bats, I think, have been impressive for the most part. And the, the hard thing for me is the sample size. Like, I, I really, if the Mets were even considering doing what they ultimately did and bringing Alvarez up, I wish they would have done it earlier just so that he had more time to get his feet wet and to be in prime position to take advantage of, of that opportunity down the stretch. I do think I would go with him at least as part of the platoon. I'd probably go with Vogelback against righties, but I would lean given Alvarez that chance against lefties at this point, just because of what he can do, what that ball sounds like off of his bat. And so now I'd see what happened in terms of the lineup though. I, I think that's where you miss Marte so much. I think this lineup is, is fine and will be fine, but Marte is legitimately everything that this team was built on, right? If you were to take one player and say that guy is the prototypical 2022 Met, it's Starling Marte. He can hit for power, but he doesn't rely on power. He puts the ball in play. He puts pressure on the defense using his legs. He puts pressure on the pitcher when he's on first base because of his threat to go. I just think he changes the entire dynamic of what a team needs to think about. He's an excellent defender. He saves so much, even from, you know, you hear Buck talk about it all the time, that extra 90 feet that they won't go based on what, what Marte can do with his arm. And so there's no sugarcoating it. The team misses him dearly. The lineup's shorter without him, and they're missing a huge element. So they're going to have to deal with it. You're right, probably in this wildcard series. I think it would surprise a lot of people if he came back and if he did you know, is he able to be effective right off the bat? Probably not, but they need to get him back as soon as possible. You would hope if they get through that wild card series that he could be there for the DS, because I do think that him not being around has has completely changed the dynamic of what this team looks like and what this offense can do. Yeah, having said all that, I think it's a no-brainer. I would say the second MVP of this team has to be Eric Chavez, getting these guys to buy into a different a different brand of baseball, but, you know, going back to the old school mentality of putting the ball in play. Uh, you see McNeil getting rid of the home run swing and the dip in his swing. Now winning a batting title. Uh, you see all these guys, Pete Alonzo, especially, what did he do? Run production, putting RBIs, hitting the ball the other way, taking advantage of the shift and not trying to beat your head against a wall and <laughs> beat the shift by hitting the ball over 110 miles an hour. But Hey, you know what? A 70 mile an hour roller through the second base side, when there's nobody there, that, 
that's the, the kind of baseball that this 2022 team is built off of. And we didn't see a lot of that in Atlanta. We didn't see a lot of that potential to run. You know, guys got on base and it was station to station. It wasn't what we're used to seeing with like a Starling Marte. So I think that's the thing that you can look at with this Brave series. All the things that went wrong, they're fixable, right? There, there is something that you can go back and say, okay, we need to maybe do more of this, maybe a little more hit and run, maybe a little bit more, put the pressure on Travis Darno to block and throw somebody out at the same time. You know, so I think that's something that I keep trying to harp when I, when I was talking Jake off the ledge in Atlantic City. Yes, it, it seems darkest right now, but it, they, won the, they won the battle. They didn't necessarily win the war. You know, there, there are a couple of points that you made there that I want to follow up on because I think they're all extremely valid. But to, to your latter point about that Brave series and the team not necessarily looking like the version of the Mets that we've seen throughout the majority of the season, I think that that series was critical for a lot of the Mets who have never experienced the postseason before. And there are a lot of guys who have never experienced the postseason before. I remember talking to, to Trevor May prior to game one in Atlanta and he said, you know, no matter which way this series goes, I don't think people understand how necessary this is for a lot of us to go through, because the one thing and figure you can you can speak to this. Right. The one thing about baseball is that you play so many games that oftentimes no one game seems all that important. The collective seems important, but no one game seems like a do or die. And then all of a sudden, and Trevor May's experience, this has been in the playoffs a couple of times. You get to the postseason and the feeling, the pressure is so different on that one day than any day you've experienced before that a lot of guys seize up because they've never experienced that before. And so, you know, not not the Max Scherzers or the Groms or the even the Lindors of the world. They, they've been through it before. But for Pete Alonzo and for Brandon Nimmo and for Jeff McNeil, guys like that, that Brave series was the stakes without the stakes, if that makes sense. You know, it was, it was the stakes. Oh yeah. It was really important, but they had a little bit of a mulligan. And so, and I think even Pete Alonso said after the series, I've never experienced something like that before. Brandon Nimmo before the series started told me that he had not been that nervous or that anxious since his first opening day. And so I think they got that out of the way. I think they came back and it was important for them to destroy the Nationals the way that they did. And now you're going to come to City Field on Friday. The place is going to be electric. You're going to have Max Scherzer on the mound who is built for moments like this. And I just think that the page will have been turned. I think that the energy will be there. And I, I really do believe you're going to see the Mets team that we've seen for, you know, 150, maybe not the last week, week and a half, but I think they're going to, they're going to do some things. And I'm confident that they're going to show up in that wild card series. So much at stake. I'm about to cut a piece of steak, Steve. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Got me hungry over here. I was eating steak last weekend and AC when there was that a lot at stake. What do you think the Mets do here? I said, you know, on SMY YouTube before the season, I said Mets are winning the World Series. I had Mets White Sox. Uh, Tony LaRusso did not help that prediction very much. But I do think the Mets are still going to go on a run and win it. Give us your prediction. I don't want to predict all the way to the World Series, but I do think that they're going to show up in a big way and make a statement against the Padres. Uh, you know, I, I think I really think that Scherzer and DeGrom, if he has to pitch against the Padres, are going to have real big games. Uh, I, I truly believe that. And I think Bassett, too, you know, Bassett, I think, wants another crack at this. I remember something that that Jeremy Hefner said to me earlier in the season where we were talking about Bassett. And he said, you know, he's kind of like this throwback grunge pitcher. And I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, 
just think Kurt Schilling with the bloody sock. Like he's going to do anything and everything to find a way to win. And so I know that they did not come up big in a big spot last weekend, but I really believe that this starting pitching staff is going to come up huge in this series against the Padres. And I think that these guys are going to find a way, the offense is going to find a way to do enough to beat this Padres team, a very good Padres team that, that probably hasn't shown its full capabilities yet. And you could certainly see that happening in the postseason. But I, I think they're going to win the wild card round. And I think that they are going to have a pretty great series with the Dodgers. I don't want to predict that they're going to beat the Dodgers. I think they're going to have a pretty great series against the Dodgers. And I could see it going either way. Uh, but can I see this team going on a run and winning the World Series and get get into the World Series? No doubt. I can see it happening. It's pretty tough to make that prediction right now. I'll predict that they beat the Padres, and, and let's say it goes five against the Dodgers. But the one trait that we talked about with this team all season was their relentlessness, and we talked about their their ability to, to overcome and to bounce back and to – like nothing ever lingered with these guys. And so I just – I'm not trying to downplay how disappointing the end of the season was, right? It was. It was a a huge letdown to not win this division, to go six and eight in September against the Cubs, A's, and uh, what, Nationals. Like, you know, you win one, two of those games, that's it, right? But this team has this ability all season long that we've seen to bounce back and to be resilient. And I just think we're going to see it again. And to your point, Figgy, I mean, 101 games. Like, think about think about where this team's been. Think about where this team was a year ago. And if you were to say to anybody, they're going to win 101 games next year. Jeff McNeil's going to bounce back and win the batting title. Francisco Lindor's going to bounce back and have the greatest season that a Mets shortstop's ever had. Pete Alonso's going to have, what, 131 RBIs. Max Scherzer is going to be a New York Met, and he's going to be pitching game one at City Field. Like, there's just – there needs to be a little bit of perspective. You know what I mean? Like, this is – This team has done some sensational, sensational things, and it's not done yet. It's not done yet, and they are still – everything is still right in front of them. You know, it's no guarantee, but I think it's time to turn the page from the disappointment and get fired up because there hasn't been Mets playoff baseball uh, in a long time here, since 2016. And you look at that team, and you look at the team that they're sending out there on Friday night, it's, uh, it's a world of difference, world of difference. Hearts, can we cut that up? It's not done yet. I'm fired up, Steve. Let's go. October playoff baseball. Let's go. This is the second most wins in franchise history. The team that had more, 1986. When's the last time they won the World Series? 1986. What does that mean? The Mets are winning the World Series in 2022. <laughs> the property states that the Mets yeah. are 2022 World Series champions. Rock the city all October. They'll be road warriors. Last one, Steve. What was your favorite moment this year from the Mets? There were so many. The Arigato, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the Escobar was incredible. Well, that's what he, he he says that all the time after interviews. We did that after his cycle too. Arigato. Um, gosh, there were there were so many of them. There were you know the 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 combined no hitter was great. You know, old timers day was was awesome. Probably the comeback in Philly has to be my favorite one though. That was. That was pretty special. It, it was such a blowout that we had a whole bit on that same night where the producer was like, hey, come to the truck, take a picture watching the Rangers playoff game, and we'll show your your seat being empty, and we'll make a whole thing of it. And it was a whole big joke. And then I got back to my seat, and they came back from, what was it, seven runs down and, and one. And I think that was that was the first indication to me that things might be a little different. So that, I think, is, is my – 
my favorite memory, but there were a ton of them. Again, old timers day, you know, just, it just felt, it's hard to describe what it was like to be out there with all those guys, but the sense of appreciation for them to all be back and be recognized and, uh, and the way it was done. And, and there was just something that, and even seeing the current Mets standing out on the top step of the dugout and watching and, and talking to the former Mets, it, it was really special. The, the way that the history was embraced between that, between, you know, Keith getting his number retired, there were so many great moments uh, for this franchise this season. It was, it was a special year. Again, it still has the potential to be extra special. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to go back to uh, our first spring training together down at SNY and we were walking out on the concourse and people were like, Hey, and they'd wave and they're like, who are you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've come a long way, my man, a hundred thousand followers. That's tremendous. And, and I think of all the memories that you've had and all the, all the things that you've done and, and you brought to the broadcast on a nightly basis. I mean, is there one moment that has stood out more than any other? You know, the sausage race for sure. I mean, th- this year we had so many, we really had so many fun things between the sausage race and the, uh, the catching the foul ball in, in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, the cup, Jake, the cup snake. Guy. I mean, we had, we had a lot of really fun things that happened this year, but I still, it's still hard to ever top for me. The Wilmer Flores walk off in 2015. You know, I always, that's the one that I always go back to. And I say, how did this compare? How did this moment compare to that? I don't know that anything really ever will, barring a a world series win, what that guy went through (laughs) and, and the, the raw emotions of the 48 hours before and how much the fan base went from really being ready to say, see you Wilmer to just embracing him and chanting his name to have him hit that walk-off home run and to be able to be on the field doing that walk-off interview immediately after it was so special. And it was a, it was a one of a kind moment. And I'm just, I have a hard time seeing this perfect storm of events coming together where just on a human level, you feel as happy for one human being and such a, I mean, just a great, great, great person that happened on that night. So for me, over all the years, I still go back to that one. That, that was, that was tops. Well, Steve Gelbs, you are a great person and you can be seen on the pre and post game coverage on SMY starts today, Thursday. You'll get it the off days, the game day, every day. You'll see him every day. You'll see him on the Jets pre and post game. I know your Rangers season begins on Tuesday. We're back with up in the blue seats podcast. We'll have to have you on there. We'll just get you across the board. Rangers, <laughs> you, you got, got Jets, <laughs> Mets. So follow him on Twitter. Get him to 103,000 followers at Steve Gelbs and looking forward to seeing you at the ballpark, hopefully in November too. You know, I'm, I'm hoping till November, November 5th, November 6th. Now you said transitive property. It's, it's done. It's a, it's property. A my, fait my mom's a math teacher. I make the rules. That's how it goes. <laughs> uh, enjoy the playoff run. We'll see you at city field. Thanks for coming on. Amazing, but true. All right, guys. See you. It's not done yet. I'm fired up. All right, Figgy, episode 125, Amazing But True's in the books, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Steve Gelbs, always fantastic insight. And you got to respect, Figgy, how much he's grown as this, you know, sideline reporter. Because when he first got here, they're like, Kevin Burkhart, we miss you. We need you. What happened? But I feel like he is now beloved from the, the cup story to the, you know, the, his postgame interviews to catching the foul ball to doing the sausage race. These kind of things Mets fans love and appreciate, and it's what makes GKRS. What do we call it? GKRG? GKRS? <laughs> Let's say GKR. It's like the sneakers app, but it's GKRS. 
Steve will be the S. It was what makes the broadcast so enjoyable, especially when the Mets are good. It's already enjoyable when they suck, but now that they're good, Steve has definitely added an extra element to the SMY broadcast. Yeah, he has definitely come a long way. And I think what he has done is gone from sideline or sideshow to being a part of the show and a valued part of the show where they look for ways to use him and utilize him to give fans an extra layer of insight. From the fan perspective, usually, you know, because he's sitting down in the cheap seats or he's all around the ballpark. He's trying foods, which you love to do. So it's a job that has your name all over it. But Steve Gelbs looks like he'll be able to do it for a long, long time as long as he wants to. Tremendous, of course, not only on the broadcast, but all around the clubhouse. House. Guys have really taken a liking to him. It's very tough when you first get in there and nobody really knows who you are to get the respect and get the admiration of the player themselves. And I think he's definitely done that over the years. First class guy, first class reporter. He'll have that job for a while. So I will not be taking his job anytime soon. We'll catch you all playoffs long here at Amazing But True. Two episodes every week, hopefully through early to mid-November. Hopefully down the canyon of heroes, we're doing amazing, but true outside of City Hall. How about that? We'll get you every, with the next episode, we'll, you know, hopefully be previewing the NLDS or we'll be crying into the microphone because the Mets lost to the Padres. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, get us amazing, but true. Figgy and Y, Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me producing the show and the intern, Josh Crawford Figgy. Looking forward to talking to you Monday. Hopefully getting ready for the NLDS, Mets, Dodgers. You know, it's a tough battle here with the Padres, but we'll see what happens. Pack the city this weekend. We'll see you on Monday. And Figgy, as always, let's go Mets. Zoom delay, not a person. Peace. (laughs) October playoff baseball. Let's go.